Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Faithfully Deconstructing Podcast. If you're new here, basically the way this thing has been going is I have a script that I've written. I'm going to read from that script, add in extra commentary along the way, and that's about it. So let's go ahead and dive right into this thing. Now, this is one that was voted on on my TikTok. I put out either Jim Jones or Flat Earth as it relates to Christianity, and it was pretty close, but it came down to Flat Earth. Now, I will do an episode on Jim Jones in the future, but for now, let's dive right into this Flat Earth thing. And to properly dive into it, I want to start by defining exactly what Flat Earth is for those who might not know. Flat Earth is essentially just an archaic and scientifically disproven conception of the Earth's shape as a plane or a disk. So it really is as simple as it sounds, it's literally a flat earth. There were several ancient cultures that subscribed to the flat earth theory, including Greece until the classical period, the Bronze and Iron Age civilizations of the Near East until the Hellenistic period, and China until the 17th century. Now, if we want to skip ahead to the modern era, the pseudoscientific belief in a flat earth originated with the English writer Samuel, and I hope I'm pronouncing this last name right, Robotham, and his 1849 pamphlet, Zetetic Astronomy. Now, in 1893, Lady Elizabeth Blount established the Universal Zetetic Society. Their purpose was to publish journals on the Flat Earth, and they really helped push this thing out to more and more people. Now, in 1956, a man named Samuel Shenton set up the International Flat Earth Research Society, or IFERS, but it's better known today as just the Flat Earth Society. It was set up in Dover, England as a direct descendant of the Universal Cedetic Society. It's kind of a tongue twister. Now, in the internet era, the availability of communications technology and social media like YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter have made it a lot easier for individuals, famous or not, to spread disinformation and attract others to the erroneous ideas, including that of the Flat Earth. Now, in order to maintain belief in the face of overwhelming scrutiny, including a lot of publicly available evidence that was acquired in the space age, Modern Flat Earthers generally embrace some sort of conspiracy theory out of the necessity of explaining why major institutions such as, you know, governments, media outlets, schools, scientists, and airlines all assert that the world is a sphere. They tend not to trust observations that they have not made themselves, and honestly, they often disagree with each other. I mean, if you know anything about Flat Earth, I'm sure somewhere online you've ran across a picture telling you not to trust NASA, or telling you that all of the photos that NASA has taken of the Earth are fake. And if you haven't run across that stuff, I promise you it's absolutely as ridiculous as it sounds. But with that long-winded explanation over, I kind of want to connect Flat Earth Theory to Christianity now, which is the main point of this episode. And like Young Earth Creationism, for example, or the belief that dinosaurs lived alongside man, to believe in the Flat Earth, you really do have to suspend your belief in reality as we know it. So where do Flat Earth Theory and Christianity intersect? Well, my first example, and probably honestly the best one among Flat Earth Christians, is the Four Corners reference in the Bible. Ezekiel chapter 7 verse 2 states this, Also thou son of man, thus saith the Lord God unto the land of Israel, an end, the end is come upon the four corners of the land. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 12 reads as this, And he shall set up an ensign for the nations, and shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Revelation chapter 7 verse 1 reads, And after these things I saw the four angels standing on the four corners of the earth holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth nor on the sea nor on any tree. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 22, just for reference, and I'm thinking this is one they probably ignore, reads as follows, It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers that stretcheth out the heavens as a curtain, 
and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in. So, do the four corners referenced in the Bible indicate the earth is flat and apparently a uh, square as well? Honestly, in short, no. Of course they don't. The phrase four corners of the earth has been widely used in various languages, and it always ends up meaning the same thing. It's used to indicate the farthest points on the earth from the perspective of the writer or a great distance, not literal corners. And honestly, what's funny about reading into the four corners theory as well is that it disagrees with what flat earthers who use it actually believe. Flat earthers believe the earth is generally round and sitting underneath a dome, not a square. And in order to believe the four corners idea as a literal statement, you would have to believe the earth was a square. Of course, also like many things in the Bible, there are multiple ways to interpret scripture and so many people do interpret it differently that it may as well be a choose your own adventure book because that's honestly how people treat it. Okay, so the four corners idea is obviously rubbish. I mean, honestly, you know what, don't get me wrong, all of them are, but we do have to look at what's next. Well, how about a reference to a verse which says ends of the earth? Similar to the Four Corners idea, this is just another part of the Choose Your Own Adventure book called the Bible. Daniel chapter 4 verses 10 through 11 read as follows. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and it touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. The idea here, of course, is that a tree can be so tall, or this particular tree was so tall, that you could actually see the ends of the earth from it. And you know, this is where I say context matters, because this verse is actually talking about a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, and as we all know, or at least I hope we all know, dreams are not reality. So with those two examples out of the Bible out of the way, I want to take you guys on a little mental trip. Close your eyes and imagine you're riding out to sea around Antarctica. There you are just cruising along and all of a sudden off in the distance you see what appears to be some kind of small mountain range made completely out of ice. As you draw closer to it, it appears to be something like 150 feet tall and it stretches as far as the eye can physically see. Now although that height is only about half of the height of the Statue of Liberty, it's impressive in its overall length. Even more impressive though is that it seems to be holding in all of the Earth's water from falling off the edge. Now just beyond that ice wall, you can make out the reflection of what seems to be some kind of clear glass-like dome that comes down just on the other side of it. Looking up, you realize for the first time that the sun as well as the stars and the moon are actually attached to this dome. Well, congratulations, you're the first civilian to ever discover what flat earthers call the firmament. Now you might be asking yourself, how am I the first civilian to see this? Well, that's because anybody who's not a high-level government official is not allowed to even get close to it. But hey, you're here now, right? I don't know, maybe the guards took off for a McDonald's break or something. You know, got caught up in a game of Call of Duty, or maybe they were scrolling TikTok. Whatever the reason, you've managed to slip through and you've now seen something nobody else is allowed to see. But all of a sudden, what is that noise in the distance? As it grows closer, you can hear the telltale whirling of helicopter blades. You look off in the distance to see seven all-black AH-64 Apaches descending on your location. And before you even know what's happening, you hear a loud pop coming from one of the choppers as your world goes black for the last time. You, my friend, have just been neutralized by one of the many patrol teams riding around the ice wall looking for potential threats. Your ship is seized and your body is disposed of, never to be seen again. Now obviously that was just my sad attempt at an exciting story. But I mean, it didn't just come out of nowhere, right? Where did that come from? Where did the idea of an ice wall come from? Well, mostly from Genesis. 
Starting in Genesis chapter 1 verses 6 through 8, it reads as follows. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Now, let's skip to Genesis chapter 1 verses 14 through 17. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days, and for years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made stars as well. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. Now, probably among the biggest parts here is the last part, verse 17, which says God placed the stars in the firmament of the heaven. They see this as proof that God placed the stars in a dome-like structure above the earth. Now, obviously, all of us who live in reality know there is no dome above the earth. But flat earthers aren't so convinced. They believe that NASA only exists to hide the truth and that those different missions and photos were all faked. Again, though, they aren't really living in reality. And those are some of the biggest connections between Flat Earth Theory and Christianity. So with the end of that segment, I'd like to transition over to my weekly segment where I play the audio from one of my TikToks and provide a little more context and conversation around the topic. This week's entry is from Deacon Corbin Russell. Let's roll the clip. You know, you start to talk to the, the people in this country and the young people in this country, you know, people like me are going to be enemy number one to them. People like you, people that believe like you do, they're, they're going to, they're, they're not going to be tolerant. They're going to hate you. Let's just sit and enjoy the hypocrisy of him complaining about being hated while saying things like this. So go ahead and hate me, but at least I, at least I have the integrity to say, yeah, I hate people. He's complaining about being hated while saying that he hates people. And also saying things like this. And I'm standing in line in the checkout and I see this freak in front of me. And I think to myself, that's probably just a hideous woman. And then I hear it speak. And I'm like, that's a dude. It's like their hypocrisy knows no ends. So what exactly do we hear him saying here? Well, I'd start by saying he sounds a little upset that people may feel as though he is the enemy. In his mind, he's trying to save the world. But to any decent person, he's just another hate-filled preacher lashing out from the pulpit at those people that he disapproves of. But in his mind, he just can't understand why people would view him as an enemy. Now, later on in the clip, he says that he has the integrity to say that he hates people. And I'd call that just a tad bit of hypocrisy coming from the guy who complained about being hated. And anyway, can't we use his logic? Wouldn't that make the people hating on him full of integrity as well? And of course, later on in the clip, we hear him talking down to someone he believed was transgender another time he's being open about his hate. And just to bring it back to the beginning, remember, he's complaining about being hated. Now, the main goal of being open with his hate is, of course, to embolden his congregation to be open about theirs as well. And in that last part especially, we heard who the target of his hate is, at least at this point. He's creating a common enemy that they can rally together and get behind. In this particular case, it happens to be the trans community. Now, of course, he'll take that common enemy along with the lie that they're being persecuted, which we heard in the beginning of the clip, and basically use it to keep his congregation where they're at, to keep his congregation in fear and from wanting to leave his church. Essentially, he's trying to keep his congregation dependent on him to save them. 
It's sick, I know, but unfortunately he's not the first and he won't be the last. So as you guys know, I'm still working on this and I said this in the last episode too, working on the sound, the formatting, basically everything to do with this thing. I'm still very new at this and, I, and again, I just wanna say that I appreciate everybody who's here listening. I have a lot of confidence that I'm going to continue to improve my product as I go. And for everybody that's here for these first few rough episodes, seriously, you're all really appreciated. And of course, if you've enjoyed the show and you happen to be listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, consider giving it a rating. Ratings help to push it out, and they also help people to know when they come to the podcast for the first time that this is something worth listening to. And I'll never shy away from saying this as well. If you didn't like it or there is something you didn't like about it, rate that. You know, let me know what the thing you didn't like about it is, because I will always take that constructive criticism and use it to improve the product. Well, anyway, I hope everyone has a great weekend, and I will see you guys next Thursday again for another episode of the Faithfully Deconstructing Podcast. Thank you for listening.